Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Well, welcome to uh, Focus Today. I'm your host, Perry Atkinson, and it has been a long time since we've had this guest on the air, and I'm trying to remember some times in the past, but I am so honored to have back with us today Cal Thomas. He's a journalist, uh, quite the guy, TV and radio commentary. Uh, he's written books. He's been in this business for over 50 years. And his last book, or his latest book, I should say, A Watchman in the Night, what I've seen over 50 years reporting on America. And there's a picture of the cover of his book there on the screen for those of you watching on the Dub TV network. And his website is calthomas.com. Perhaps you've read his article in many newspapers and seen and heard him here on the Dove, and the year's gone by as well. Cal, good to see you again. How are you, friend? Well, I'm better than I deserve for an ancient white male. Thanks, Perry. That's <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> you know, uh, two things. Number one, in my library, I still have an autographed copy of your book, Take a Liberal to Lunch. <laughs> yeah, Liberals for Lunch. Yeah, if you save that, you know, if I ever become uh, famous, you can sell it on eBay for twice the price. Uh, that's what, $8 now? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> and then the last time was you and I were standing in line together. I'm sure you don't remember it, but I do because you're Cal Thomas and I'm not. We were standing in line to hear um, First Lady Barbara Bush to speak at the Houston Convention. I do. You were wearing a blue shirt at the time, as I recall. <laughs> Gosh, you're great. Okay, good to see you. <laughs> you know, speaking of Barbara Bush, uh, let me uh, quote one of her best lines, which I think is so profound. She thanked me for keeping it alive. She said, men and women, if you have children, they must come first. Our success as a nation, your success as a family, depends less on what happens in the White House and more on what happens in your house. Yeah. Wow. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Well, Cal, good to see you. And I'm glad you're going strong. What provoked you to sit down and look back 50 years? Well, uh, next April, my column will be 40 years old. Uh, do the math. I've done two per week with a few extras thrown in over 40 years, over 3,000 columns. I thought it would be good to go back and take a look at, uh, at what has happened since 1984 when the column started, the beginning of Ronald Reagan's second term. It's not a column collection. There are little excerpts from various columns along the way, kind of like uh, road signs, that uh, mark various uh, uh, advances and retreats uh, in our country. And uh, I've got some wonderful endorsements. Uh, I've made friends across the political spectrum, left and right, and very proud of uh, the introduction by Tom Johnson, mm. who was an LBJ Democrat, but then at the time was uh, the publisher of the Los Angeles Times, who opened the door for me. A wonderful guy, and he wrote a great introduction. I've got some other intro uh, uh, blurbs that run the gamut from Henry Louis Gates at Harvard to uh, Pat Sajak of Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> wow. Okay, so let's let's dive into it a little bit. How how have you been able to handle the change in news over fifty years? Well, when I started as a copy boy at NBC News in Washington in the early nineteen sixties, there were only three broadcast networks: ABC, NBC, and CBS. Uh, there was no internet. Uh, all of the journalists I work with were real journalists. Uh, they had come from newspapers or wire services. They knew how to write. They wrote their own stuff. Probably most of them were Democrats. But I think the greatest line I've ever heard on this subject was from David Brinkley, 
who said it's impossible to be objective, so we must try to be fair. But in journalism today, fairness has gone out the window. Uh, the greatest power the media have is the power to ignore stories. In addition to slant them, we have too many people uh, in journalism who are political activists and have come over from uh, Democratic Party offices on Capitol Hill, like Jake Tapper at uh, CNN or George Stephanopoulos, a top Clinton aide who's now a big star at ABC. People are confused about what real journalism is. It's turned into, in many cases, I'm sorry to say, propaganda and a uh, one-sided uh, force feeding when it comes not only to spending, where we have a $33 trillion debt, uh, the open border, and a loss of a shared uh, moral value system. No nation has ever been able to survive with just one of these. We now have all three. What makes us think that we are going to escape the judgment of history, much less the judgment of God, with over 60 million aborted babies, the mainstreaming of uh, all things uh, homosexual, 57 different genders, drag queens in kindergarten, and uh, the liberal universities by following that same path. So that's what I get at in my book, and I go back and look what I've written over the years about this. I'm not an Old Testament prophet, but you don't have to be one to see what happens when you ignore the laws of God and the ways of God. You've been very open about your faith through the years and in your writings, and yet you have been able to reach across the aisle and have great relationships with people. Why? Well, Jesus dined with Republicans and sinners. Those were the early Democrats, I like to say. <laughs> uh, and I try to follow his model. I mean, he hung out with the people who needed to hear his message. And uh, I joined the organizations of the various journalism groups. I've gotten to know them. They have certain stereotypes about what a Christian is. And so I try to disabuse them of those things. So one of them asked me once, what's your denominational background? I said fives, tens, twenties, fifties, and hundreds. When I was working at, when I was working at CNN, <laughs> a producer asked me, what are you? I said, tall. She said, no, where do you go to church? I said, I am the church. She said, look, wise guy, what do you do on Sunday morning? I said, well, I grab a cup of coffee, read the newspaper, take a shower. Look, when you leave the house, she said, where do you go? I gave her an address. She said, is there a building there? I said, yeah. She said, what's the name of the building? I said, what are you getting at? She said, I want to know what you believe. I said, now we can have a conversation. But we have built so much over this person known as Jesus of Nazareth that people can't get to him. And you look at some of the polls now, nuns, N-O-N-E-S, uh, are the largest growing uh, non-religious factor in America right now. A lot of young people look at this stuff and see the church, uh, much of it, uh, it, too involved in politics, attacking other people, angry, judgmental. And so I try to uh, disabuse people of that notion and respect them as people who are in need of hearing the gospel. I think it was St. Francis who said, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. So people have heard a lot of words. What they want to see is some demonstration. And I really do care about them. This is one of the reasons the late Bob Beckel and I became such great friends, had the privilege of leading him to Christ and uh, we wrote this column for USA Today for 10 years called Common Ground. I don't hate anybody. Some people hate me, but that's their problem, not me. <laughs> so what do we do, Cal? You, you look back 50 years, you've watched journalism go from being objective and fair and hopefully trustworthy to where it's just all um, propaganda. And uh, actually, personalities have been now called journalists and they're anything but. What's your mm -hmm. take? Well, I think you have to encourage more young people to get into the field. 
and be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Uh, we, you know, after the Scopes trial in the 1920s, a lot of the fundamentalists then withdrew from culture. Uh, movies were bad. All the media were bad. It was corrupting. We're just going to stay in our churches and preach the gospel to each other. Uh, that created a vacuum that the secular progressives were more than happy to fill. Now, the only thing I learned in physics before flunking table of contents was the nature of horse a vacuum. And so if we're not in there, if we're not filling the vacuum, if we are not promoting our views and ideas and faith in the media, then the other side will. I'm encouraged by films like The Jesus Revolution. My friend Randall Wallace, who did Secretariat and uh, Braveheart and uh, Pearl Harbor, who works in uh, uh, scriptural truths. So there are some people in Hollywood and there are some people in the news media who are believers and are trying to have an effect, but we need reinforcements. So I would encourage any young people who are watching this today, uh, if, if I could get in, if I could make it, so can you. Uh, but you have to get in. And, uh, you know, it doesn't pay a whole lot at the beginning. But if God is leading you in that way, then follow his lead. Tell us how you came to faith. Same way everybody else does, by the power of the Holy Spirit. But to be more specific, uh, I was on the ladder of success, I thought, at NBC, wanting to be a um, network correspondent by the time I was 30 years old, thinking that would be, bring me peace and happiness and enjoyment. Uh, and the more I struggled, the less satisfied I was. And my wife, who at the time, who, who my late wife, who was a tremendous singer, um, was part of this choral group. And she said, listen, I met some men you need to meet. And these were people associated with the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington. And I got invited to a small prayer breakfast where I heard a federal judge stand up and talk about the possibility of everybody having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'd never heard of that. Uh, I'd gone to church uh, on a Sunday, you know, you'd go for an hour, and then the rest of the day and the rest of the week is yours. And then later I was invited to a, a Bible study. I'd never studied the Bible. And uh, I heard a man who would later lead me to Christ uh, read from the living translation. And I got a copy and started reading it and uh, learned about God and about myself. And uh, at the time, I was uh, fired by NBC when I was 30 years old. Uh, my wife said, you'll never be free of this. And do you thank God for losing your job? And it was that night that I committed my life to Christ. And uh, he had to work a lot out of me because I was full of pride and hubris. And I almost don't like to talk about it because then that makes me sound like I'm full of pride and hubris again. But uh, he spent 11 years uh, working me out of me so he could fill me with himself. And then in 1984, brilliantly opened this door to do a column. And uh, I have engraved on the back of my watch a verse that I think speaks to this. First Samuel 2.30, he who honors me, I will honor. You have always gone back to that model, Cal, because you privately meet with people on Capitol Hill. You have prayer meetings with people on Capitol Hill. How's that going? Well, I live in Florida now, and uh, for 30 years, though, um, I hosted a dinner the night before the National Prayer Breakfast, and uh, we would bring in um, uh, well-known media people, accomplished people who were believers, and uh, we had, for many years, a largely pagan audience, which was my target group, and I wanted to show uh, a different side of the stereotype that many people have about the Christian faith. Um, I know of at least a couple of people who came to Christ as a result, result of that. Maybe others have, but that's not my doing. That's up to the Lord himself. So, yeah, I knew uh, there were some good people in Congress. There still are, not enough of them. That's something else. 
that believers need to get themselves involved with. But the most important thing is we have to realize uh, what Jesus said. My kingdom is not of this world. Uh, this world is going where it has been uh, uh, forecast to go. And uh, as we see what's going on in the Middle East right now, we see a preview of coming attractions. Uh, we see that the world is going to blow up without the return of Jesus Christ, who will come back just before it does. And uh, we need to be investing in that other kingdom and not so much in the, in the politics and the, uh, uh, and the concerns of this kingdom. Doesn't mean we shouldn't vote. Doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for those in authority, uh, which we are commanded to do. But uh, when King David said, put not your trust in princes and kings or in mortal flesh that cannot save, he was onto something. One other question before I take a break. Uh, by the way, and let me show our viewers and listeners, uh, such an honor to have back with us today, Cal Thomas. His new book is a must-read, A Watchman in the Night, what I've seen over 50 years reporting on America. Cal, can our industry be redeemed? <laughs> well, that's a big question. It's certainly not going to be redeemed, as you say, unless more people get into it. And I think uh, we now have opportunities that we never had when I started out in the business to get information from various sources, not just the ones you agree with, but uh, ones that are uh, are credible and and that are are, uh, uh, are truthful. But you have to dig it out. You know, Ronald Reagan used to say, we're only one generation away from losing it all. We've been living off the inertia of the greatest generation since the end of World War II. Mm. Uh, democracy is not the natural state of uh, humanity. You look around the world, dictatorships, uh, lack of freedom of the press, uh, no elections, uh, denial of women's rights, all of these other things. We're kind of an island, uh, an oasis in the middle of a vast desert. And these values have to be renewed in every generation, and sometimes within generations, or we lose them. And uh, it's like a lot of other things. Once you've lost it, it's very, very difficult to get it back. All right, let me take a quick break. Let me say to our viewers and listeners, check out Cal's website, calthomas.com. Perhaps through the years, you've read his articles and uh, but check out his latest book. I think you'll find it to be a really a fascinating read, A Watchman in the Night, what I've seen over 50 years reporting on America. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. And again, it's been a long time and what an honor to have back with us today, uh, Cal Thomas. Uh, of course, he's a journalist, a TV and radio commentator. He's been around for a long time. He's syndicated columnist throughout America. And his latest book, I think you'll find to be a fascinating read. It's, it's available now, A Watchman in the Night, what I've seen over 50 years reporting on America. There's a picture of the cover of uh, Cal's book on the screen there for those of you watching on the Dove TV network. And he has a website, calthomas.com. Cal, it's interesting to me um, in our little network here and, and hearing throughout the Pacific Northwest, <clears throat> one question keeps popping up as it relates to journalism. It's a simple question. Who can I trust? 
Well, I start with Scripture, and that, to me, sets the standard through which all other ideas and information are filtered. Now, you won't find everything in there uh, when it comes to, say, foreign policy, maybe, but uh, there, there is certainly enough uh, to um, help any individual process the information that is out there and that, that we receive through the major media. And so that's where I always begin. The truth is knowable. Uh, Jesus said, I am the truth, the way of the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And of course, when Jesus was standing before Pilate and he made that rhetorical comment, what is truth? Uh, he had it standing right before him and didn't recognize it. So I think you start, uh, I think you start with the scripture. And uh, it's, it's the difference between watching an exercise video and going to the gym and working out yourself. You can't get in shape by watching the video. You have to go out and press the weights. And pressing the weights is a good analogy. The weight of the world presses in on all of us. We have to press back against it. And we have to realize that this is not our home. We are not going to improve it, except maybe in little areas. But there are ways we can uh, actually contribute uh, to um, something positive. For example, on abortion, the, uh, you know, while the left secular progressives are pushing this abortion pill over the counter stuff. We can align with pregnancy help centers, 3,000 of them now across the country to help women in uh, difficult circumstances, share the gospel with them, save their babies and themselves from a horrible mistake. Uh, and I, then I think most importantly, uh, overall, after you get the children born, is not to put them in these government schools uh, where you have a secular progressive worldview increasingly being forced on them. Um, homeschool them, put them in good Christian schools. It's worth the investment if you're going to have them. We don't send our military to foreign countries to be trained, but too many Christian families willingly send their children into these schools that teach the opposite of what they believe, and then are shocked to find that they come home, especially after universities, believing something totally different. Do you think, this is a big question, kind of a broad question, do you think we, uh, the Christian community, the faith community, we've lost our witness? Well, it depends on what witness means. Uh, you know, Jesus gave us the greatest evangelistic tools that have ever been given. You don't have to read books. Many books have been written on the subject. What were those tools? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Uh, care for widows and orphans. Feed the hungry clothe the naked, visit those in prison, not as a social gospel, as the left does, but as a demonstration of God's love for people. And if we applied those in, in, with greater effort, I think we would see more people uh, demonstrating more interest in who Jesus is. There's a lot of people, you hear young people, well, I don't like organized religion. I, you know, the Secret Service, one of their tasks, in addition to protecting the president, things we know about, is, uh, is uh, to study uh, counterfeits and counterfeit money. And how do they do this? They don't do it by studying the counterfeit money. They do it by studying the original so that they recognize the counterfeit. So the closer we study Jesus, the closer we get to him, the more time we spend to him, we can recognize the counterfeit. I'm a big Broadway musical fan. And I always like the original cast better than the roadshow. <laughs> well said. 
Okay, so here we go again into an election cycle that seems to be extremely contentious. What's Cal mm -hmm. Thomas' 30,000-foot view? Oh, well, uh, the polls show that most Americans don't want a rematch between Trump and Biden, but it looks like they're going to get one. And if we keep repeating the same thing over and over again, we're going to get different results. I'm not going to get deep into this uh, right now because uh, and I've written some columns on it. I just find it interesting that the Christian community that said character was everything when it came to Bill Clinton and some of his escapades now ignore it and Donald Trump. I've gotten mail on this stuff. Well, God used King David and he was an adulterer and all this. Yeah, but David repented and wrote, wrote probably the greatest repentance psalm ever. And uh, some of these others they mentioned uh, repented too. But I think this is uh, just justification, frankly. We have a lot of really good people out there. I mean, you talk about Mike Pence, uh, uh, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, a wonderful guy I've met a couple of times, all solid believers, uh, have great testimonies. And it's just amazing to me that so many Christians would prefer Donald Trump, uh, who, who has just the opposite. I interviewed him at the uh, start of the first election there in uh, 2016, uh, 15, was it, at uh, Trump Tower in New York. And I asked him, I said, uh, I'm going to ask you a question nobody else has asked you. He said, what's that? I said, who is Jesus? He said, well, uh, I have a lot of evangelical support. I said, yeah, I know that, but that's not the question I'm asking you. Who is Jesus? And he gave me a you know roundabout, really contentless answer. Now, that's not necessarily, you know, we're not allowed to have a religious test, the Constitution says, for those in office. But uh, I think that that helps people or should help people make a decision on who is best to lead the country. And I'm not saying if you're a believer, you're necessarily more qualified or equipped to be president, but I'm saying character matters. And if you look at some of the things, especially that Trump has said, the ugly things he said about other people, how he's mocked veterans who have been wounded or, or captured as POWs, uh, it's uh, hard for me to stomach, frankly. Um, so we wake up to... A war over the weekend. This is amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's like Bible walking right across our phones and computers and television yeah. screens. Um, what's your thinking on what's going on over there? I've got a column coming on it tomorrow. And uh, the, the, the great question that's going to be asked, of course, is how did Israel's excellent intelligence service miss this? Yeah. I mean, this had to be a major, major buildup. They had parasails, motorized parasails. They had these tunnels that Israel has discovered before and destroyed, but this was a major operation. How could they not know about it and be prepared to defend against it and, in fact, be proactive about it? That is going to be one of the great questions coming out of this as soon as the border is secured again and uh, hopefully Hamas is destroyed. But here's the problem. Even if you destroy Hamas, you've still got Hezbollah, you've got the the PLO, you've got all these other terrorist groups. Once you have somebody who believes that their God, their Allah, wants you to kill Jews and what they call the cross worshipers, that would be Christians, and even moderate Muslims, and you see they believe that is a mandate from heaven and that if they die in the process, they're going to get all these virgins in heaven, or maybe it's Virginians. I don't know, uh, then uh, that's pretty hard to stop, especially when you don't have much of a life. You're living in dirt or shacks or whatever, and you believe that 
you know, you're going to beam me up Scotty right to heaven if you die killing a Jew. So uh, I don't think the secular, the increasingly secular West uh, understands the depth of religious conviction of a lot of these people. Not all of them, but enough. Doesn't take many to kill you. It just takes one. And we're letting them in on the southern border. There, you know, we got Iranians coming in here. We got all kinds of other people. The administration won't do anything about it. Uh, Lincoln said something about this. You know, if America is ever to be destroyed, it won't be from an outside force. It'll be from the inside. We'll be doing it to ourselves. One last question, Cal. Let me say to our viewers and listeners again, check out his uh, book called A Watchman in the Night, what he has seen over 50 years reporting on America. And also, Cal has a website, calthomas.com. Of course, be looking for his articles syndicated in newspapers all over the United States. Um, Cal, is there hope for America? Well, it's not in Scripture. I looked it up the other day just to make sure. Uh, you know, we've had we've had several revivals in this country. Uh, the last one, the last big one, was in 1857. And it began, as J. Edward Orr writes in his book on the history of revivals in America, when two men on Wall Street got together and decided to pray for the country once a week. And then they were joined by some other men in this little building in uh, southern Manhattan. And the room was too small to contain all those who wanted to pray, and they started praying every day. And then they moved to the churches at night and, and uh, invited their wives. And when the revival broke out, it was absolutely spectacular. In New York City alone, 10,000 people a week were being converted. Uh, when the revival got down to uh, West Virginia in the middle of uh, winter, uh, they cut holes in the ice to baptize people, prompting one uh, commentator to say, uh, when Baptists do that, you know they're on fire. <laughs> um, when it jumped the Atlantic and uh, got to the coal mines in uh, in Wales, there was a work slowdown, and somebody asked, well, how could there be a work slowdown in the middle of revival? And the answer was, so many miners were converted, they stopped using bad language, and the horses couldn't understand what was being said to them. Uh, <laughs> crime disappeared in London. They asked the police, what do you do now with crime has disappeared? They said, well, we go where the people are. <clears throat> what does that mean? <clears throat> Pardon me. Well, uh, we go to the revival meetings, and we form choirs and sing at the revival meetings. So here's the way it works. Uh, if you seek to honor yourself, if you seek to save America, uh, it's not going to work. But if you seek to honor and glorify God, and you ask him to send a revival for his glory, then I think we have some hope. But we've tried everything else, and it isn't working. Republicans aren't going to save us. Democrats aren't going to save us. Liberals and conservatives, I'm not going to save us. Only the Lord. And I think uh, we've come to that point, I hope where we should hear more preaching on that and the power of prayer. How many times have you heard, all I can do is pray? What are you talking about? All you can do is call upon the creator of the universe who made everything there is, who sent his son to die in our place for our sins. And uh, you want to call on him last? He should be a first resource, not a last resort. Cal, you're inspiring. Thank you, friends. So good to see you. Uh, hopefully you, we can stay connected. Let me say to our viewers and listeners, check out his latest book. I think you'll find it to be very fascinating. A Watchman in the Night, but I've seen over 50 years reporting on America. There's a picture of the cover of the book on the screen there. And check out his website, calthomas.com. And of course, look for his column in a paper near you. God bless you, my friends. Stay in the fight. You too. Thanks, Gary. Good to see you. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, 
You can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.